Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. And we've got South African World Cup winner Faf de Klerk joining us on the show today, telling us what he was really chatting to Prince Harry about and his budgie smugglers, as well as talking all about sale and the British and Irish Lions tour. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. And we've got a bit of news for you before we start. The Rugby Pod live show at the Clapham Grand is back and it's set for Saturday the 26th of June. Yeah! <laughs> Tickets are currently sold out, but make sure you get on the waiting list via dice.fm in case there are any returns from people who can't make the new date. And we're hoping for a few more live shows coming up soon as well, and we'll let you know as soon as they're confirmed. Talking of live shows, as we know, the world seems to be opening back up now, so I'm thinking I get online, start booking a beer garden every night, these live shows, this could be the first time I'm going to speak about myself in the third person. The picture of the legend could be in a pub because they're, they're all booked. You have to know people in the know, Jim. So the live shows are my only way out of this, it seems. That's the, that's the light at the end of my tunnel. So I'm, I'm trying to suppress my excitement here. I'm very much looking forward to these live shows. I don't know how many we've got. I'm just hoping that there's one a, one a day, one a week. I'm easy. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Imagine the taste of that first pint of Guinness and Blackcurrant at a live show. Um, it would be absolutely delicious. But here's the thing. Just tell Beck there's, there's four on the trot in London. That's all you need to know. And we'll be out. We'll be out somewhere, whether there's a live show or not. And as for the fact that we've sold it out, the first one, we might as well do four back-to-back. Everyone will want to come. Everyone wants to get out of the house. Everyone wants to get away from the kids. I love my kids. I love the nanny. But, oh, my goodness, live shows are coming back, and it is time to celebrate. Make sure you go to Dice.fm and get on the waiting list, because that's how you know when the other live shows are coming up as well, and you'll get a call up if other people can't make that date. Goody, Easter and your birthday on the weekend. How much How much chocolate did you eat? How many calories did you count? Not only was it my birthday uh, on Saturday, and I followed the government guidelines, as I have done throughout this lockdown period, um, and the government guidelines suggested that if you had a birthday in lockdown, you don't have to add a year to your life. Now, I've had two, so I'm still 39. And it was my birthday Saturday, and I had the pleasure, actually, of driving to Exeter for four hours on Saturday to commentate on Exeter against Leon, and then drive four hours back. So we didn't do my birthday till Sunday 
which was Easter Sunday, and my dad's 70th as well. Um, so not only did I have a birthday cake from the twins, uh, my dad had a birthday cake from me, the missus and the twins, and there were Easter eggs. And so my calories, I mean, my calorie intake's just been horrific, let me tell you. Hit us with a number. What kind of number would you say on Sunday? <laughs> Do you even know? I don't, I don't even know, mate. I mean, the amount of chocolate eggs that not only we got for the kids, we did a, a big Easter egg hunt around the garden. Mum and dad bought them Easter eggs. Carolyn's mum and dad bought them Easter eggs. The nanny, Amanda, I won't say her surname, but she's the best lady in the world. She bought them Easter eggs. There's too many Easter eggs. There's only one place they go in. And when they've been a bit naughty, I call them Miss No Treats, Miss No Easter Eggs. Daddy gets all the Easter eggs, and that's all that happens. So I, I reckon 10,000 in one day, quite comfortably. Our kids <laughs> ended Easter Sunday with me telling them that the Easter Bunny ain't real because <laughs> they are on to me about more chocolate, more chocolate. And I'm, I've gone down the process of saying, right, you're going to be sick. Your teeth are going to fall out to the point where I'm just sat there with a dram, with a whiskey in my hand saying, the Easter Bunny doesn't exist. Beck's screaming at me. She's like, why are you saying that? I said, saying what? That the Easter Bunny is not real. I said, did I say that? Oh, I'm sorry if I said that. But yeah, we, had, we always have a fallout on these big occasions. Birthdays, Christmas, Easter. They, they never end. They never end with the kids going to bed, me reading Goldilocks and the Three Little Slippers, it doesn't end like that. It just ends with, like, they're screaming, I'm screaming, I'm crying. But anyway, enough about my family, Andrew. We've just spoken about that as well. Birthday. I cannot believe it's been another year because we were meant to obviously have big celebrations for your 40th because that's what you do. It is a milestone, I was going to say half half of your life, arguably not, but it's a milestone <laughs> nonetheless that we missed. We missed it. And... I did had no idea it was your birthday until stuff started popping up, of course, it did on Instagram. And I'm like, hang on, is, is, is what's going on here? I saw the one with you sat around with Easter eggs playing for Newcastle, that meme that's, that's gone viral with a couple of happy birthdays around it. So I was late in the day. Happy birthday, partner. Bloody good weekend for it too. The sun was out. European rugby was back. Good weekend for that as well, wasn't it? It was. It was, yeah. We sat out in the garden for a couple of the days with the kids, um, took them to a park on another day, and it, the sun down here was just beating down on us, 14, 15, 16 degrees. But I got a tan, got a bit of a tan this weekend. So uh, plenty of ruggers on as well. Too much ruggers, some might say, um, to catch up with, because obviously there was eight games in the Champions Cup and eight games in the Challenge Cup as well. So I haven't watched them all, but I've watched enough to know what's going on. And some of the referees have had a shocker that we'll get to at some point. <laughs> Um, but there we go. I mean, what a weekend. Was it as warm up in Scotland? What do you think? I mean, it was warm for Scotland. It was five degrees, six degrees. <laughs> We've had a bit of snow. We've had a bit of snow as well. Uh, but yeah, just same old. I actually watched more rugby this weekend than I thought I might have. More because I was engaged in some of the... I was going to say the plate. Can't call it the plate, can you? Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup. Um, Yeah, so I watched more games in that than I kind of thought. And Leicester Connor, I had to watch that because my mate at Leicester called me out last week, didn't he, for calling the lads idiots and stuff. Brett. Yeah, Deeks called me up and said, why are you saying that? Because he said, you were one of the biggest idiots at Leicester. I said, yeah, but Brett, I'm with Spotify now. I'm I'm 37 years old. So I've obviously watched the Leicester Connor game and I'm thinking Leicester look very good physical scoring driving line outs identity maybe also a bit arse calling them idiots then Moroni scores a try and he bows he does this kind of curtsy bow 
to the crowd. And as we know, you got no fans. So there's no <laughs> fans there. So kind of cemented my perspective of this new Leicester team, who I'm impressed with, but maybe I was a bit harsh calling them idiots. I don't, I don't remember. Did I say, did I call them idiots? Probably, Jim, but... Oh, who knows? Don't listen to whatever I say. It's Spotify. That's last week's opinions, mate. This week's is what matter. Good to you were at Sandy Park. Good to see Exeter beat Leon. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird, isn't it, Jim, going to a game where there's absolutely no fans and you're commentating on it and there's no background noise, no crowd noise, nothing. And they can hear you. They can hear you saying... What's going on there? Yeah. I thought we did very well on commentary again. Leon, to be fair, started very well. They did. They went 14-0 up. It was, um, yeah, it was interesting. They, they flew out the traps and then Exeter slowly wrestled control back. Johnny Hill with what is turning out to be the worst lid and look you've seen in the Premiership and the Champions Cup for a long, long time. Scored a couple, set one up himself in the first half as well. Um, and Exeter, once they got over that first sort of 15, 20 minutes of Leon flying out the block, scoring two tries, you know, and then wrestled back the control of the game. They they were never going to lose it. Um, Leon were, they've got no European pedigree, really. They're a good team. They were missing two over and a couple of others. And, and Exeter made quite a few errors, uncharacteristic errors, actually, that they'll kind of be glad they've got rid of, or hopefully got rid of this week, because they're playing Leinster next week in the quarters now. That's the thing. When I watched that game, and I was saying, I, I always thought they were going to win, but you could see it was a bit of a struggle at the start, is when we knew that they were going to play Leinster, because Leinster obviously went through because of China, I mean, yeah, because too long couldn't play. <laughs> um, you're thinking, actually, from an extra perspective, that is probably the best game you can play because of the physicality, because they were under a little bit of pressure, because they didn't play overly well. So, yeah, I was very jealous that you were there, Andrew. Um, I was sat home. <laughs> no it's good to be out the house although the four hour drive I mean it's been it's been weird hasn't it because we've been locked down for over a year now and so we haven't probably done a proper day's work for a long time where you're travelling doing something going back the four hour drive there and the four hour drive back and stood up on comms when I'm on crutches and having to hobble up these tiny little stairs to get to the gantry I got home my back was fucked I was absolutely knackered and I just thought this must be what it's like for Jim when he drives up and back from Scotland. And no, no, it's amazing. I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Goody, what happened with Wasps? They almost won a game, didn't they? Oh, no, oh, they all. Oh, Andy Rowe, look at him. He's jumping. Up. All, they almost, almost. I mean, to be fair, they did almost beat one of the best teams in terms of Clermont and the stature. But again, I don't want to be horrible. They put in a good shift. Well, they did, and they did. and Claremont, you know, I actually, and we both spoke about it last week, I was actually a bit nervous around Claremont putting a decent whack on Wasps this weekend, but shows what, how little we know about rugby sometimes, James, because Wasps should have won it, and you look back over the game, there's a few talking points, Minotzi would have scored a worldie of a try if he'd have just held it close to his chest instead of putting it down, that would have put them 14-0 up, and then Wasps discipline, it's been a running theme throughout the year, really, the discipline at the back end of the game, they just gave two real stupid penalties away when they were five points up with about two minutes to play. They were in Claremont's half as well. Just no need for it. They, they've been pretty good defensively throughout the game. Listen, Claremont had threats all over the park and they defended for the most part exceptionally well, played with an intensity that was has been lacking in other games. If you're a Wasp fan or player or coach, having watched those games. But the, the big thing for me and the annoying thing and I love Frank Murphy, played with them at Leicester. I think he's a really good referee. Uh, and I question perhaps why Wasp didn't make a bigger scene of it. The try that Matsushima scores, the winning try, 
one phase before, Morgan Powers passed it about three yards forward to Fritz Lee. And he's I didn't say it. Yeah, mate, say it. It, was, it was so forward. It was It was flat. <laughs> mate, it wasn't. It was definitely forward, but it didn't get checked. Um, and if I'm, you know, maybe the Wasp boys were just completely out on their feet. Maybe no one realised it was a forward pass. Yeah, I was just disappointed that didn't get checked. But Wasps, they've just lost with a clutch kick from Cami Lopez. And a lot of people think that Cami Lopez looks like me a little bit. Slightly overweight fly off that is either sometimes really bad or sometimes okay. I don't know um, if he'd be happy with that. I don't know <laughs> if he'd see that as a compliment. I would. But yeah, he slots the kick to win it. And it's just heartbreaking for Wasp because Claremont are a powerhouse. But again, as we've seen many times, and Jim, you've been part of those Saracens teams that have dusted Claremont when perhaps people would have thought they'd have been a lot better. They've got the big choke in them, haven't they, Claremont? And I thought that was going to be their choke. So maybe this is their year. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it is, but they had a big choke in them, didn't they? It was like Claremont just rocked up expecting, like most people did, that they just walked the game because Wasps weren't in great form. But they snuck over the line at the end, didn't they? Even though it was a forward pass from Morgan Power to Fritz Lee, about three yards. Frank Murphy, why didn't you check it? Because it was flat. The thing is about Clement and listening to Benjamin Kayser and chatting to him, having played against Clement as well, when I realised how much they obviously struggle mentally with the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup is when they won the Challenge Cup. So I think it was a couple of years ago when they won the Challenge Cup and the celebrations around winning the Challenge Cup. I don't want to be horrible to the Challenge Cup, but I'm thinking from a Clement perspective, like they're a team that you think should win Europe. Yeah. Like the, and they and you could see like I, I think Kayser was crying and he, he was speaking after the game and the emotion around it and it shows that there is well clearly there's a mental block with Clement in Bordeaux were just too strong for Bristol in the end weren't they oh shame for Bristol's well there's some big talking points from this and Mike Adamson again the old ref and the TMO Neil Patterson Scotland oh. Jim but mainly Mainly the person that needs the blame. And we've both been there, Jim, when we've been commentating on games that are in France, that are led by a French director looking for replays. And they've just got like one or two views when there's about 25 cameras there. So Bristol's are five points down with about 10 to go. Bordeaux have just had someone in the bin. And so you're thinking this is Bristol's time to dominate. This is Bristol's now last 10 minutes. You're going to win the game. Kane Douglas got Simbind. Bristol's going on the attack. They're pumping away in Bordeaux's 22. Ball comes out. Decent pass. Scott Higginbottom slaps the ball down with one hand. And you actually see on the replay, his fingers get sort of bent back a bit as the ball gets knocked down. What happens is the Scottish ref, Mike Adamson, says play on. TMO, play on. Bordeaux go the length of the field, score the try to go, I think it was then uh, 29-17 and pretty much put the game to bed. Uh, And then they got another late try as well. But, they go back and check it, and the French director, he basically said, no, 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 we have no angles, no more <laughs> angles to see. We just have this angle, which is not not conclusive and uh, not possible to find more. Basically, he knew it was a knock-on, and uh, Bristol, they haven't come out and ranted and raved about how bad it was, but we can on here. It is a shocker, an absolute stinker from the the. It is funny though. Uh, so we we don't want to be laughing on uh, Bristol's behalf, and obviously they're not going through. But you know, let's call in Philippe. He knows. He knows that there's angles <laughs> to show, but he does not want to share. I not share the angle. But for me, the, the decision then should have been: it's a slap down with one hand. It's a yellow card to Higginbottom. Bordeaux go down to thirteen men for the last ten minutes. They're twenty two seventeen up. Of course they are, but then Bristol are probably winning the game. So if you're a Bristol fan, 
outside of it, you think, yeah, it's just classic French, typical, you know, French director, non, 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 not possible. But if you're a Bristol fan, you're probably absolutely raging. And credit to Pat Lamb, um, he's not come out and really hung a, a, a director, a TV director out to dry or the, the TMO or the ref. But we can do it on air. It was a disgrace. And Jim Edinburgh didn't have much luck over there either, did they? Yeah, much it, luck. Was ba- it was bad luck. It was bad luck, yeah. Didn't have much luck. They had their pants pulled down over their head, skids showing everywhere. The dogs licked the skids, they, they, then he's put they, them back on they, the head. They Scottish got shat on. What's going on, Jim? <laughs> the headline should have been, Edinburgh being shat on. That should have been it. Oh, my cat meal shat. Um, it's his fault, and his fault only, that Hamish Watson has not come on. Hamish said to me, if I've got a Ravo's arm just put on us as a team, I can't come on the pod. Guinness player of the Six Nations or no Guinness player of the Six Nations. We've just had 50 put on us. We've had a Ravo's arm put, put on us. I was like, mate, it was in Paris. And there's a few things that came out of that game. Hamish Watson's unbelievable. So that is still there. Vakatawa is Vakatawa. They have got, Rassin have got some young players coming through. So... Jordan Joseph coming through. I thought he was about 30. Turns out he's 19, 20 years old. He's phenomenal. And do not give Curtly Bill the mic to do a post-match interview. Oh my goodness <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah, we just we played against a very good Edinburgh team. What? <laughs> What's going on here, mate? Yeah, young lads, yeah. Young lads coming through. They're good. We just want to get better. Who do you want out of Bordeaux and Bristol? Wow, they're both good teams. You don't know. Currently, you know that Bordeaux are an all right team because you might have played against them once. But um, yeah, absolutely hammered. What can you say? But talking of interviews, Jim, Cocker's interview after the game. It's like he weren't bothered. He just had your ass handed to your Cocker's 50 odd points. And it but was what like, do you nah, do? So, so what, what, do you, what do you expect though? So it's like. I thought there'd be a bit more emotion in him. It's like he's out. Is he out of there? What's happening? Is he. It's like having your pants pulled down, Andrew but you don't have a cord. It's like they've been pulled down that many times that there's no there's no elastic holding it in. You, you can't, you've got to concede. It's like, but yeah, that just shows. It's like, you look at that Racing team on paper compared to Edinburgh, you've got Blair Kinghorn, as much as he's a good back three player, horrendously, they don't know what he's trying to do with that, is the golfing talent is is there to see. Well, one English side who did make it through to the last eight in the Champions Cup is Sale, and we can have a chat now with their World Cup winning scrum half after Clark. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, thank you. Thanks for letting me join you guys. Faf, we've we've been waiting to have you on since you won the World Cup a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's it's class to have you. Firstly, we need to ask you, you got ball bagged by Jake Ball at the weekend. It's obviously done the rounds on social. How are you? How is the lid? I mean, it obviously made a bit of a mess for it for a few seconds. Are you okay? No, I'm all good, all good, mate. No, it's fine. Uh, just a bit of a rugby incident, but uh, no odd feelings at all. Just on that, because there's obviously another picture that's gone round from, I believe it was the World Cup, where he's grabbing you. Is there something, is there a bit of history there? Is it something that you notice, or are you just that little scrum off that goes at people, whoever you're playing against anyway? Um, I don't have any issues with him. He might have an issue with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did have a chat after the game, and I don't think there's, there's any animosity, but obviously... That's how the game goes. They uh, obviously want to try and get their team on the go. And uh, if that's one way of doing it is to to spoil the ruck for us and, and to stop us getting quick pull. And uh, yeah, it just uh, happened. I think it, it looked maybe afterwards when I looked at it, it was maybe a bit more serious than what I initially thought. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's no animosity and we can just 
get along playing again. Yeah, because on that, when you actually got hit, you then look at the uh, assistant referee on the sideline, you're kind of asking him what's going on. Were you asking him just to be, because you were hit off the ball when the ball was still in the rock, or were you actually asking that, hey, I've just been belted in the head here? No, I just, according to me, the rule is if, if the ref calls ball out, the guys can have a go at the ball. You can't play the player. Um, so that was what I was asking about. I was fine with, if he said the ball was out, then you can have a go at the ball. But I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't have a go at the player. So that was my initial thought of it. If I lifted the ball, fair play could have tackled me, but that's just what I was asking. So I wasn't even sure about the the head contact. After I saw it on the on the replay, then I saw okay, maybe there's something more to this. But the refs cleared it, and yeah, we had to to play on. Don't bother asking what the rules or the laws are. I don't think anyone knows what's going on at the minute, Faf. But what we do know is, is you lads were class at the weekend. And, you know, we, we've got a good relationship with Sale. You know, it's, it's a team that me and Goody never play for, but we both love. Obviously, Simon Orange has been on before. I spoke to Al Sanderson uh, when he first got the job. It looks like, which we kind of thought it would be with Alex Sanderson taking the reins, that there would be a spike in emotion that he spoke about. I know he spoke to you lads about it. There could potentially be a dip. But then the main thing is is building that culture and building a team and a squad that can compete with anyone. You look at Sale's social media leading into that game, they thought it was the last chance saloon in Europe. I don't think that anyone thought you were going to go down there and do what you did to that Scarlet's team. How good is it being in this Sale squad? It's easy to say that when you're winning, but has there been a real shift in the environment with Al Sanderson coming in? No, 100%. Um... I think obviously on the training side of things and, and getting the, the tactical side of things right. But um, I think Al's a lot to do with ment- mentality. How are you going into the game? Um, are we preparing well enough on that side? He, he really goes, gets into themes of, of things when we, we go up against the side, um, trying to really understand how they want to play. And we're trying to take that away from them. And I think he's been really good with that. And also, just other things like trying to make it interesting at training, have a laugh, just not be all serious. You need to have that little bit of fun side to it as well, um, which we really appreciate um, when it goes bad or when it goes good. Those type of things can't change. And just all about how you feel in training, how you feel in game time and just try and improve on on those little things. And I know Alex Anderson always likes a Malbec Sunday uh, where he can sit back and enjoy a bit of red wine. Was it a Malbec Monday? Because obviously your game was on the Sunday and you had Easter Monday off, hopefully. I think this Malbec Sunday thing is more than a Malbec daily thing for him. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he had a, <laughs> had a few red wines uh, on Friday night as well, watching the La Rochelle game. So, um, yeah, I think it's more more often than a Sunday. Um, but I think it, there were a few beers on the bus back home. Um, we, we enjoyed that and... Uh, I think then um, our sale Jets team play on, played on Monday, so he ended up going to that game as well against Newcastle. So that's great to, to see that he's also doing that effort with, with the boys not involved, um, showing his interest over there. So that's important to get that whole entire squad effort. I remember playing against the Sale Jets many a time. Faf, I don't know if you ever saw me play, mate, but um, you wouldn't have seen them <laughs> games, that's for sure. Um, you know, with Al Sanderson, I work with him at Saracens. I can't speak highly enough of the guy. Um, one of the comparisons that's kind of out there is around how Razi Erasmus has built the culture in the South Africa squad. I watched the documentary Chasing the Sun, I think it was called, absolutely amazing. And to get that insight and that kind of emotion and 
what it takes to motivate individuals i see there why people would say potentially there's some comparisons obviously at sale there's a lot of south african lads and we know that the, the you know the love and the emotion is needed to to manage some of the players is it right in saying that that comparison is quite similar with Razia now there's a lot of similarities definitely um obviously playing for your country you can sort of get a more like a passionate side of it we played for obviously a lot of things playing for south africa where over here, there's not those challenges, as I can, if, if I can mention that. Um, so there's a lot more to play for, for instance, if you play for your country. But I think in mentality side, getting yourself up for the game, uh, making sure your teammates um, is up there and ready to go and, and trying to get into that passion side of things is definitely similar and, and similar themes to, to what we did at the box. So um, definitely a lot more similar, but obviously, you can get to a bit more deeper if you play for your country and, and with all the challenges that we faced um, during the World Cup and the people back home. And you talk about that and winning the World Cup was obviously huge and we might delve into that a bit in a minute. But sort of post-World Cup, um, we saw a few celebrations back in South Africa, but then it was very much a lot of the players dispersed and it was back to business with their clubs around the world. Um, and South Africa haven't played, the Springboks haven't played uh, since the World Cup final, which seems crazy now, obviously, due to COVID and everything that's going on. How hard has that been for you guys collectively to try and stay together? Because winning the World Cup must be, you know, it's the pinnacle of any player's career and you've not been able to get back together as a group to play or train again, really, have you? So it must be really hard emotionally to stay connected with those guys after achieving the highest of highs and winning it in 2019. Yeah, definitely. There is challenges behind it, but um, in our age or decade, you can probably, it's a lot easier to to have a chat with, with one of your mates and um, we still... All of us on um, numerous groups that we that we still communicate on, whether it be laugh or any information passing around. So we have stayed in contact with a lot of the guys, and um, we obviously try and watch each other's games and try and come and try and just say well played or you did brilliantly there, stuff like that. Um, so we we are in contact with still with a lot of boys, um, like you said, um, sharing that with some of your mates and and being. In Japan for more than two months, we really got close and, and really became great mates, um, not just playing partners, but really good friends. So just trying to keep in touch, just to check in. It's, it's sort of just one of those things that you do if, if it's one of your not your rugby friends. So um, I think that's made it a lot easier. And now these days you can just do a video call and, and catch up. So it has been challenging, but really, really excited to hopefully see the boys quite soon. You talk about the team ship and the South African players and, and how tight you guys are. We're now seeing more come over to the Prem. There's, you know, me and Goody have said, if the team's struggling to go forward, just bring in some South African talent and you'll be all right. You'll get on the front foot. <laughs> we see, look at Leicester. You know, Jasper Visa's turned up to there and he's almost changed the club by the way that he plays. I know there's a couple of, of others in the team, but what do you say to people now that are keen to come over to the Prem and play? And what, Because it's quite a difficult league to play in there's a get there's games every single week it's quite challenging but for whatever reason you south african lads seem really suited to the style of rugby that, that we play in the premiership yeah it's a it's a difficult one i i, I agree with you it, it's probably one of the best competitions i've been involved in and week on week if if you don't turn up against whoever they probably going to get pumped so um it is really physical and i don't know maybe They've just been blessed with amazing genes, so they're just very physical and strong. So I think that has oh, something have. to do with it. They have. <laughs> yeah. They have. I love how you say they and not we. No, 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 no. no. I've got a lot of things going for me, but not that part of it. 
So yeah, I think if you if the guys are back home really enjoy the the tough physical stuff, obviously in, in certain games over here it's it's becomes really slow and wet. So you can sort of line guys up on, on defense. So you you have to really be physical in your carries. Um, and on the flip side, you can line guys up on defense. And um, if that if you have that side of your game, I think you'll adapt well here. Um, and then also got some great coaches also that you get involved with and you play with world-class players all around you. So I think you you lift your game automatically if, you, if you're if you an outsider coming in, uh, maybe you're not well-known and you, you're playing against international players all around you. You sort of need to lift your game and I think that's what happens more often than not. It used to be a thing where obviously the pound to the rand uh, was massive and 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 that arguably was a reason now. It's obviously not like it was a few years ago and more lads are coming to the Prem as opposed to uh, France. So I imagine you'd be a port of call where people would say, Faf, what's it like playing in the Prem? We see obviously Gloucester have got a few South Africans playing as well. Um, is it more if there's more of you at a club, which it obviously is at sale, uh, it seems to be more comfortable for lads to come? That's definitely a factor. I think if, if, you get, if you've got an opportunity to go to two different clubs and there's a few more familiar faces at one side, you probably tend to go that way. Um, but it's also, you need to be conscious of the fact that maybe too many isn't always great for a club environment. Um, that's something that we've spoken about um, as players um, individually to see if that has an effect on some guys. And that's something that you need to be cautious of as well. So the players from South Africa also need to buy into the English way of life, the culture, the um, the language. We need to invest in that as well. So it, it comes from that side as well. But it does, I think it definitely does make an, an impact. And obviously, if if Sale wants a certain type of player and we can we have contact with that guy back home, put them in touch, it, it's an easier way to get players here. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, probably money will talk. But um that that does make a bit of an influence. Yeah, good honesty. I like that. Um, let's talk about culture then, because ultimately at sale there is probably fifty fifty South Africans and uh, English players. Um, what culture are you enjoying about Manchester? Is it the sunshine? Is it the rain? Is it the football? Is it Oasis? But you know what? What is it in Manchester that is culturally appealing to you boys? Because you have to settle in, don't you? It's not all about just bringing the biltong over and the bries and everything. You do have to immerse yourself. And we know, you know, our good mates with Mark Quato, he's always banging on about the sunshine up in in Manchester. Yeah, any any time I go there, it's always pissing down with rain. The sunshine, sunshine, the sunshine. This would have been a great, great little town if the weather was. A bit better. We just had snow <laughs> now, and now the sun's out again. It's it's so weird. Um, I think for me coming over originally was just getting to know Manchester, getting to know the surroundings, seeing different spots was was always fun for me. Trying starting to travel a bit. Firstly, start to travel around the UK, um, and then Manchester is a is a great city to in terms of restaurants, in terms of live shows, and. You can just go out and have a good night if you, if you wanted to. There's a lot of things to do. Um, and I think if you sort of embrace that side of it and, and not try and make it come over here and try and make it South Africa, because then you're never going to be happy. You have to embrace the weather. You have to embrace the cold and, and try and figure out ways to, to make it fun for yourself. If you're going to not accept that things, you're always going to be doom and gloom if you think about what the weather's going to be like tomorrow and you, you can't really get up for it. So sort of find ways to to make it fun and we got a few great well a lot of great English lads at the club that um, showed us around since since we got here when, when me and John Ross came over the first time the boys really pulled us in and took us to the countryside took us to shows coffee shops that, that are really good and 
um, we settled in quite quickly in terms of that. And fair enough. And then when the weather starts turning and we can have a barbecue for the boys, we, we put that up for them. So it's just sort of blending those cultures. But you can't just come over here and think it's going to be um, South Africa. You need to um, immerse in the culture and really enjoy that side of it as well because you learn so many new things. Yeah, definitely. And the, one thing also, your hair stayed blonde. Is that the sunshine or is that a bit of uh, product that's going in there? A lot of chat about my hair. I've finished it. I wasn't over as long as it's ever been and uh, it's a bit of color, but it's grown out about, <laughs> I think, about 30 centimeters. So I need to get that checked out whenever I can. Yeah, I'm missing, missing the salons a bit, mate. <laughs> Faf, can I just put something to you? If I don't know whether you know why you'd even want to do a bet with me and Goody, you've got no idea who we are. We know who you are. Um, <laughs> if if you lads win the European Cup, is there a chance you might shave your hair off? That's kind of what Al Sanderson has told me to put to you. <laughs> this chat started today. Actually, John mentioned, "Yo, what would you do if we cut your hair off?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to be happy, but I'm probably going to have to accept it." But <laughs> I don't want to cut my hair. <laughs> but surely if you win the Champions Cup, it could be a thing, couldn't it? Because it's a big statement. I mean, let's be honest, after the back of the performance at the weekend, we could say it here because, you know, there's probably three million people going to listen to this, that Faf de Klerk will shave his hair off when, say, I'll win the Champions Cup this year. Mate, I won't commit to that, but I think there's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, that's a big call, mate. You've sprung that on me. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll have a think about it we'll do it we'll do the opposite i'll grow it I, I, I grow mine but i don't know if you saw it before it might take me a good 10 years to grow that <laughs> oh good stuff well let's look forward then to this weekend uh obviously quarterfinal time la rochelle away uh tough tough fixture uh in terms of size and, and power that they've got in their ranks but also the ability around the offloading game that we saw friday night you must be looking forward to that because you boys love a physical battle as well don't you across the park you know whether it's the south african boys in the squad the english boys you know the curry lads and whatever and even aj mcginty 12 out of 12 tackles at the weekend i ain't ever done that in my career he's, <laughs> he's got a cauliflower well, so yeah he has um looking forward to the game at the weekend T- tell us a little bit about how this week's going to pan out for you boys yeah so obviously it's a, a short turnaround for us uh so that's something that that we conscious of um one training day that we we obviously going to lose today was a, a very more of a review um day looking at the the weekend that passed and obviously then starting to to look into la Rochelle. I think a good thing was we obviously a lot of us watched them play against Gloucester over the weekend, so so that's already like sort of puts us in a in a good headspace going forward. Um, so we'll have training tomorrow, and then uh, training on Thursday will be our when will be our tough day. Um, so I think looking ahead, it's like you mentioned. Um, we've we've mentioned all those challenges that you guys just mentioned, physical side. Um, I think that's where you want to be as a player. You want to be tested against the best, and in the physical physical side of things. It's going to be a one-to-one battle. It's going to be um, one of them against one of us, and we're going to see who's going to come out on top. And that's more often than not when it's going to come down to on that game. But I think we might have a few tricks up our sleeve, hopefully going down the week, to to see if we can can get some space. Um, so I'm very excited for that challenge. It's it's obviously a, a massive game for us. Um, so I think the the boys are definitely going to be up for it. Yeah, I imagine out of all the teams that La Rochelle arguably would have wanted after the weekend's game, it wouldn't have been you, lads. It's quite phenomenal, really, how you played against Scarlets. Let's just talk a little bit about South Africa then. You mentioned communicating with the lads still and, and, and FaceTime and obviously playing against um, some of the lads as well. Much communication with the management? I mean, you're watching the internationals unfold now. They're obviously the Six Nations, the Autumn Nations Cup. 
There's obviously a Lions tour. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we think it's in South Africa. Um, is there much communication with the management? I mean, we're talking it's in three months' time or something like that. So you've not played, obviously wouldn't have played a match. Not not been a lot of chats. Um, I think the first thing they needed to sort out was where it's going to be played. And I think before they knew that, they couldn't really speak to us at all. Um, there has been a, a little bit of chat to set up a few meetings going ahead. Um, but nothing much um, as of yet. I think hopefully we can we can meet up with a lot of the coaches when I think it's a Rainbow Nations Cup is here and a lot of teams come over and, and hopefully some of the South African coaching staff will come over as well and hopefully get a chance to meet up. Um, but I think for now, it's, it's still just really focusing on your personal performance to, to do well for your club and then hopefully get selected. But... As you mentioned, it hasn't been that much chat yet. Um, I think we know now that it's sort of 90% going to be in South Africa. So that's um, a positive. Well, for me, it's a positive. And um, so that's that's the first little hurdle out of the way. Um, but I think in hopefully in recent in weeks building up ahead, we'll, we'll be in a bit more contact with them. And you've obviously got a lot of family and friends back in South Africa. We're purely focusing on probably the UK as a, you know, with the pandemic that we're going through in the COVID situation. How's it looking in South Africa? You know, uh, something that I've not looked at myself, maybe I should have done with the Lions tour coming up, but um, how's the pandemic been coped with over in South Africa? Is it, you know, is there a small chance we're going to see some fans in the stadium potentially? I'm very hopeful just because it's, it's pretty much all back to normal back home. What I can see and what I've heard from, from my friends and family, it's, it's pretty normal. Restaurants are open. People can go out, enjoy their time. I think there might still be a curfew. I think you have to be um, at home by, by 10 p.m. But other than that, it's, it's pretty open. You can do pretty much what you, what you like. Um, traveling, no travel restric- restrictions in South Africa. So hopefully that's, that's a positive. And now with these new flow tests coming out that you can do a spot test and it gives you a result within five minutes. Um, I think that's something that maybe the, the big stadiums can look into to maybe test guys before they go into the stadium. Um, so as it's going now, I'm very hopeful for it because just because it's seemingly um, opened up, it's just up to probably up to the, the UK to decide if they're going to allow their people to travel back home or not, or back to South Africa or not. John. Sounds like we're in, Jim. Sounds like we're going. Uh, well, <laughs> either way, either way, I'm going. If I've got a quarantine when I come home, I'm going. Um, yeah. like, like, I'm absolutely pumped it's in South Africa. I love the country. Got a lot of friends down there. Played down there uh, when I was younger. Obviously watched the 97s Lions tour that, that kind of propelled rugby, I'd say, in the Northern Hemisphere. Like how input, like, We talk about this in the media and, and between friends about the importance of the Lions tour being in South Africa. And a lot of the time when we speak about it, when you speak to people, you hear things, it's to do with the money, right? So it's to do with the money that the Lions generates. I don't know if you know anything about the finances around it. And if you do, is that a reason? Is that why? Or is it just because there's a heritage and a kind of history that comes with the Lions tour coming to South Africa? Or is it the fact that the money that that will generate will go into the economy? I think that's a that's a massive factor for, for South Africa, obviously, having tourists coming over and, and really obviously enjoying themselves and, and spending some money I mean, in South Africa. So there is a massive influx, obviously, of money. Um, so I think that is a, a massive reason. But I was, well, I was just feeling like wherever it's going to be played, if it's in Dubai or wherever, I'll, I'll, I just wanted to go ahead. That was my, my first thought when, when people asked me. Um, and then just it's every 12 years, you get to play alliance to a in your country. That's sort of the tradition. Um, and you want to stay part of that tradition. And 
what I've heard that I know fans really want to go over there. Um, the players obviously also, they don't want to Lions tour in the UK. They want to tour to South Africa and, and enjoy that part of it as well. Um, so I think the whole, I think everybody wants it to be there. And then financially, obviously, it would make sense for South Africa to to have it there. It, it's going to be great. It's probably going to create a lot of more, more job opportunities, be it for a short time, but it's definitely going to help out a lot. Yeah, definitely. Let's go back to the World Cup then, because, um, you know, we can talk about the game, we can talk about other stuff. But the one thing I want to ask you about, I know Sia Khaleesi stole on the show a little bit around being captain and, and what an amazing person he is and, and rugby player and ambassador for the game. But the, 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 the most ambassadorial thing that I saw in the tournament was you and your budgie smugglers having a beer with Prince Harry uh, after you've won it in the changing rooms. Can you just tell us what you were talking about? Was he talking about maybe moving to California then or, or what was going down? Because <laughs> He wants privacy. That's the best picture I've seen in the, from rugby in a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not a lot really, just... Like he just said, congratulate. He had a fright when he saw me first and then um, just I couldn't let the opportunity pass to, to not say hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just said, congratulations. He basically told the whole sky just um, he doesn't know of a country that really does not deserves us more, but that needs it more. Um, so that was just great to hear from him, obviously supporting England at that time. And uh, it was great to, to hear that from him. Really being honest and, and being a down-to-earth guy was what me- meant a lot to me, just showing what type of person he was. And uh, yeah, got the got a good photo from it. So that, that's always good. Did he do his Buffalo off-camera as well? Because I know there was a, a video where he wouldn't do it on camera. Did he do his Buffalo off-camera? No, he didn't. He didn't. Oh. Uh, yeah, I was I thought he was going to neck it, to be fair, but uh, he didn't end up doing. But uh, that's Franz Stein. He's got no faults there. So, uh, oh, well, I've, I've had a few beers with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, as well, with Harry, me and Goody, well, I've seen him very pissed before. He said that my kilt looks like a shit version of his Nan's curtains, quote unquote. And he told Dylan Hartley as well that he shouldn't be England captain because he's shit and Dylan was crying. So <laughs> it's probably better that he didn't chop the beer responsibly in the changing room. But, um, Faf, you know, the World Cup, obviously, we talk about it and the documentary and the content that's arguably going to be made around the. Lions tour that you know there's talk of Amazon filming with South Africa and Amazon filming with the Lions like the profile that comes with it now have you been able to piggyback that after winning the World Cup again having been playing in the Prem I know you know it it just flies by you obviously win the World Cup all the hysteria around it the social media and next thing you know you're back playing and life's back to normal what's life like for you when you go back to South Africa? Life in terms of just going back seeing family seeing friends trying to play golf and enjoy myself is, is pretty pretty normal but um yeah you get recognized quite a bit back home um so privacy is not a massive thing when you when you go home um i think if you in a group of friends and uh they can sort of protect you a little bit that that's always good but i've always tried to do my part with if somebody wants a photo or something like that i was also a young boy once um, looking at my idol so I, I try and do the best i can in that aspect but it is difficult just to do normal stuff and, and go to the shop. I won't say it's that famous that you can't walk around, but it's, um, sometimes it does get a bit hectic, especially like in Cape Town and, and those places where they really enjoy enjoy their rugby. But um, I guess it's 
better that people want to have a photo with you than not want to have a photo with you. So um, I take the positive from it and rather than the negative. It's similar to me in Scotland, I'll be honest. It's yeah. probably a similar kind I've of thing. That. So. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. it's a, Well, the easy thing to do, Faf, is win the Champions Cup, shave your head, go back to South Africa and no one will know you because you've got no blonde hair anymore. So that's be fine. A great, to... That's a, actually, uh, you see, you're not going to convince me right away. But <laughs> oh, so close. <laughs> 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 All right, Faf. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck for the rest of the Champions Cup and uh, also with the Lions Tour as well. Best of luck with the Springboks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for, for the call. It was good fun. Cheers, Faf. Thanks for coming on. Top good this weekend. On. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Alan what a legend. And a legend. Legend of the lid. So much better. His lid's so much better than Hamish Watson's, isn't it? It just looks like it's meant to be. Yeah, it's the blonde. It's the blonde highlights that he said he needs doing again. Um, but yeah, what a lovely bloke. You know, you see him on the field and he's tenacious and... You know, we know that he gives everything for sale and any team he plays for. And it winds people up the other way. Of course it does, because you see this little scrum half who, you know, back in the olden days, you might be able to get hold of him and clobber him a bit. But now you can't throw punches. He is the ideal wind-up merchant sometimes for opposition teams. And he's physical as well. But what a lovely bloke. Like most Africans, off the field, down to earth, love the game of rugby, love everything they're achieving and doing and um, they're very humble with it. So absolute pleasure to have him on. I could have listened and spoken to him for hours. I love South Africans and I love the fact now and also envy the fact, in fact, I fucking hate it. South Africa, they're all not, they're out in pubs and I'm still in my garage. I'm still in my garage. So yeah, lovely to have him on. How positive is that though? In reality, if South Africa's getting back to some kind of normality, we can do live shows in South Africa, mate. I don't know what you can and can't do. All I know is that you can't go to the pub and Faf's got a great load of hair for now unless you're in the Champions <laughs> Cup. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Monster Toulouse was another cracker at Tolman Park, wasn't it? Mate, what a game that was. Hell of a ding-dong, eh, Jim? That was, that was good. And... I thought Munster could have won that. But Munster off the back of losing comfortably to Leinster, 
were probably primed in terms of physicality, similar to Exeter. They had a tough game the week before. Scoreline against Leinster didn't probably reflect the game. Leinster were significantly better, but Munster are much better now. And I thought they could have won, but Toulouse have got some quality. Well, they've got Cheslin Colby, haven't they? Well, they've got two of the best players in the world in Cheslin Colby and, and Dupont as well at nine. And what about LaBelle on the wing? What about his footwork? Ridiculous. Absolutely, he absolutely rinsed JJ Hanrahan in about a metre. Not even a metre. It's about 20 centimetres. I thought JJ Hanrahan, I thought he fainted. That's what I thought happened <laughs> when that bloke. happened. Genuinely, I didn't even realise uh, he'd done a step. But it's fine details, isn't it? So you talk about the quality of player. So Cheson Colby's on the ball. And if you watch actually what creates the try, Andrew Conway on the wing, Dearlande's covering across. And I think Dearlande would get to Cheson Colby to make the tackle. Andrew Conway just panics a little bit because it's Cheson Colby half steps in, which makes it a two and one on the edge. And then LaBelle, all oh, my footwork against JJ Hanrahan. And what happens is there's actually three defenders in the picture and only two attackers. They fly through. No one gets taken out. So then it's a simple 2v1 um, with DuPont who goes under the sticks. Brilliant try. Brilliant try. But it was a bit of a ding-dong. So at one point, Munster get themselves back ahead. And that was a crucial bit where Andrew Conway just kind of paused for half a second. And that split second at the top tier of Champions Cup rugby is the difference. But the other one... 23 all, Marchand, his try. What about the line out? It's a one-handed take. The skill's unbelievable, but it's about four yards, not straight, Wayne Barnes. And your TMO, who's not looking at it. Oh, let it go. Jouet. Jouet, Andrew. Exactly. But I I saw Wayne Barnes, was people were questioning him at the weekend. And so I've looked into it. I'm like, why are they going to Barnsley? Because he's the best ref in the world. And then you start looking at some of the Munster fans not happy with some of the decision-making. You look at the line-out and you're a line-out forward, Jim, of ridiculous expertise. Specialist. Oh, thank you. I thought that was coming. (laughs) I'm not just a line-out forward. (laughs) Specialist. Specialist, yeah. Um, So it's a five-metre line-out that Munster have competed for at the back of the line-out, jumper on jumper, and he tapped it down with his outside hand Nowhere near straight, so it should have been a not straight. Marchand scores the try, and at that point, it was 23 all. So, some question marks around that as well, Mr. Wayne Barnes. Well, you know Barnes is going to come back on his YouTube channel with his action figures, and he's going to talk about it. He's going to talk about <laughs> the one-hand take. He, you know, he might even talk about sending a Scotland player off when I asked him not to. We yeah. don't, <laughs> I haven't watched it for a couple of weeks, but... I might go back and watch the line out, see how not straight it was. I'll call him out on Twitter. He doesn't follow me. I ain't going to follow him. And I'm sure it'll be on his YouTube show, which actually I quite like. If you if you get a chance, have a look at the line out. I love the Goody. We've got, we've got like, he was the Twitter police and now we've got like the forward pass not straight police as well. Like we're... <laughs> <laughs> but the, Mon- the Munster fans want, it, want us to debate this, Jim. I'm telling you. Okay, well, we are. And I'll tell you what, I actually think, like you talk about me being a line-out specialist and just a specialist of life. These people that, I think it's Tony Spreadbury, and we know Spreader's getting on a bit. I think he's only about 50, but he looks about 80. (laughs) You could take the reins of being the head of the referees and saying, lads, this is not good enough. Um, Yes. um, I think that that is potentially, if things open back up and life isn't how it was, it could be a new role for you in that environment. I don't know whether they'd let you in with open arms. I don't know. But because you are multilingual like me and you do speak French, I don't know whether you speak French well, but you do the accent really well, you might be able to have a good rapport with the French referees. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? No, I don't think that's happening. But yeah, listen, Toulouse, bottom line is Toulouse, I think 
for me, were just the better team on the day. What happened with Toulon and Dublin? Out for waffles or what? Oh, probably. We had Lanny on. He was looking forward to it. There's no waffle shops open in Dublin at the minute. They're on lockdown, aren't they? So it definitely wouldn't have been them. No, but it was basically, so it was one of the front rowers tested positive. I think it was the Wednesday or something. And he hadn't travelled with the squad. They all retest them. This is where Toulon were a bit aggrieved by it or felt a bit aggrieved by it because he, this prop, hadn't travelled with uh, the squad to Dublin. They all got to Dublin, tested again. They're all negative. Uh, But because of the contact tracing... um, they couldn't field a front row because they said, look, you've been in too close a contact with this one guy, even though you have tested negative. Um, so Toulon just lost their shit, basically. And they've gone out in the press and said, we might not play in the European competition again. Um, you know, it's a disgrace, all this stuff. And you, I get their frustration, but also when you sign up and agree, the world we're living in now is a crazy world, isn't it? And the COVID pandemic, even though everyone's tested negative, you still have to do the contact tracing and see who has come into close contact with that person because it might take a few days to show up on a positive test, which we all know is is one of the issues. So, um, yeah, I'm sure the Leinster boys would have loved to have won that game, played it and won it properly. But Toulon rocked up to Scarlet's in the group stage as well, didn't they? And uh, said they didn't fancy that game as well, I think. And, and <laughs> So it's not been a great European year for Toulon. All I know is, is when we speak about this situation, Andrew, I've never in my life, apart from that song by Neo and Pitbull, like I just turned this negative into positive. I've never said the words negative and positive so much in my life, ever. I hope I never say them words ever again. Well, when you, as a player, you were a Negatron and a, you always went for Sappuccinos, right? Sappagizer. So I was the polar opposite. I was basically, I'd sap the life out of everyone, but I'd hit them with some energy and comedy and then that would energise them again, hence the <laughs> Sappagizer. But just on Toulon and the Leinster game, probably similar to uh, what we spoke about with Munster. I know they lost to Toulouse, but I reckon Extra have got a better chance this weekend because they had a tough game at the weekend against Leon and Leinster have had a week off. And I know we spoke to Stuart Lancaster last week and we spoke about that Sarri's result where I think they went on, they were on some mental unbeaten run and then they played Sarri's and got hammered uh, because they hadn't been tested. I know Munster tested them in the Pro 14 final, but it was still a fairly easy game for Leinster's first slash second team. So you wonder, going into this week, having missed a week, missed a game, and some people might say, yeah, well rested. Slightly different maybe because they've not had a tough match. Should we have a look at head to the quarterfinals then? Oh, go on then. Go on then, Weirdfish. Do you want to start with that Exeter-Leinster game and, and, and talk us through what you think might happen there? You've given your thoughts already, Jim. The hard one is, and, and sp- when we spoke to Lanny last week, he said something like they had 57 players at one point. So like Jim said, the only game they've played recently was the Pro 14 final against uh, Munster, which they didn't pick their first choice team, did they? Sexton was on the bench. James Lowe was on the bench. There's a few injuries. Ring Rose is out. James Ryan's out as well. So it's just trying to find that balance of players that haven't played and have played and who do you start? You know, no doubt they'll start with Kean Healy and Tag Furlong uh, and those boys. They'll have a lot of their internationals back, but Exeter haven't been themselves recently. You know, the Premiership games, uh, they've kind of squeaked through a few, um, you know, at home to Quinn's. Yeah, they've also changed the team for Gloucester. And then this weekend's game, that I commented, there was loads of errors, uncharacteristic errors from them as well. So that will sharpen the mind. Hard one to call. Um, Exeter, I think Jack Noel will be back this weekend, potentially, from what I hear, uh, which is huge news for him, Exeter, England, 
not so much because there's no games, but definitely the Lions because I know Warren Gatlin likes him. It'd be great to see him back again after a long while out. I'm just going to go extra by five. They're going to sneak it by five. I do, I, I'm going back on what I've said. I reckon Leinster by six. Lara Shelby, it's a sale. What about Big Willie, Little Willie Skelton? Mate, tell the offload that. Tell Bottier that as well. I mean... Bottier, how good is his tash? I mean, as a player, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. he, he's just got everything. You know, he's, he's played back row as well, but as a centre, I don't reckon there's a centre in the world that can do what he can do. The power, the pace, uh, the offloading game. You know, you, you, and he likes it, his back rubbed as well. Rono Garrison yeah. he likes his back rubbed. I'd rub his back. Imagine him and Randrunder in the centres playing against those two. My goodness me. And then you've got Nandolo on the wing for Fiji as well when you talk about units. But yeah, uh, they've got class, haven't they? But any team going over to La Rochelle that needs some physicality, just look what Sale did to, to Scarlet's at the weekend. And it was a Scarlet's team littered with internationals as well, wasn't it? So they've got the power game that they can cope with uh, La Rochelle's power. Unfortunately, Lou Diag is out for quite some time. I think he broke his leg or his ankle or something in training uh, last week. So, yeah, Sale have got it in them. I just think La Rochelle have got a little bit too much quality and X Factor. Oh, I'm, because we've had Faf on, I'm going to go for Sale. And I love House Anderson and South Africans. So, oh, but what about Bottier? If he rubbed my back... No, he won't rub my back. He won't touch me. Not allowed. Uh, sale by three. Bordeaux and Racing. You think on paper, and I keep talking about paper because that's all I can judge it on. And the performance at the weekend with a fifty uh, against hashtag always that Racing and their history in the competition should do it. But the Bordeaux Beagles, the Bagels, the Bengals, um, to beat Bristol's the way that they did. Although Andrew said it was the referee's fault. They're all out to call. The way I look at this game, if this was a top 14 game, Bordeaux would win it. It's a European quarterfinal, Racing, every day of the week. Every day of the week? In in knockout European rugby, this is Racing's to win, I reckon. Racing. Racing by eight. Claremont to lose? Really hard one. I'd like to see Claremont go all the way. No, I yeah. wouldn't. No, because it's there's no fans. I'd like to see Claremont go all the way when there were fans because I love that place. Loved playing there. It's um, a town of industry. It's raw. It's edgy. It's me. Like Clermont is a French me. Um, I would. Well, they love are to sponsored see. by Michelin tyres, Jim, and they're they're. That's they're you. Basically, that's you, mate. Michelin tyres. You got the rubber ring on. Very true. So they are me. But I would like to see Clermont win it at some point. But with no fans, I'm not really bothered this year. But at the weekend, Toulouse looked sensational. Really hard to call, isn't it? Matsushima's dangerous at fullback. Racker when he's on form, silly good. Patheli Yato, if he's playing Fritz Lee, they've got absolute world beaters, but it might help them actually that they're playing another French team in a knockout game. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because we've seen them choke in a lot of knockout games, but they've generally always been against foreign teams, so Saracens and other teams around that. But I don't know, Toulouse just looks so good at times, don't they? LaBelle's come from nowhere and he's rinsing people in 20 centimetres of space. Um, you know, you've got Ches and Colby, DuPont. Untermac was ridiculous at the weekend, I thought. How good was he? And yeah, I, as much as Claremont got the X Factor, I just think Zach Holmes is my mate, so I'm just going to lose. Oh, Zach Holmes is my mate. Well, I think he is. He, he, he knows me. I'm just saying it because it sounds good. To lose, to lose. So I'm going to go for a home win. Claremont. You're going Claremont. Okay, yeah, go. yeah. This is their year with no fans. Right, well, moving away from the Champions Cup now, there's been a bit of news floating around. Mike Brown leaving Quinns, and he's he's not happy about it. No, he's not happy. And 
I think Rugby Pass released it a while ago that he was going to Newcastle. You can see why, obviously, uh, he's had a stellar career at Quinn's, Brownie has. And this arguably carries on and piggybacks the whole Paul Gustard reign. Uh, that's what it kind of read to me was that Mike Brown said he wasn't being kept on. I don't know whether there was talks to keep him on. And it's twofold, right? It's twofold because he's 35. Now, there ain't many backs knocking about at 35. But then on the flip side of that, he's arguably playing better than he's played in the last two or three years. So from a business point of view, and that's what it is, and Mike Brown said it, other players have come out and said it, rugby is a business. There ain't no loyalty in it. As much as we want there to be, it's professional sport, but he's playing really well. You can see the emotion. He didn't want to leave. He said that. He didn't want to leave. He tried to do everything to stay. Didn't happen. Signed for Newcastle. Dino signed him. He knows Brownie from being at Quinn's. On the 12th hour or the 13th hour after he signed, which is obviously one hour after he signed, if we're using the 24-hour clock, they said that he could potentially stay. You kind of were reading that. He's not a pair, but it's a done deal. I think it's a good signing for Newcastle. Yeah, I think the thing on it, though, is people are automatically saying, well, Guzzi just didn't offer him a new deal. And Guzzi clearly didn't offer him a new deal or said there isn't going to be a deal here for you because he was moving the squad on. You know, as Jim said, it's a business decision around his age. And when those conversations were probably taking place earlier in the season, how well was Brownie playing then? Well, probably not that well. And what's happened with Guzzi has then left the club, Quinn's some of the Senior players have started playing well again, so you question actually <laughs> what happened before. Were they Rob putting it in the jersey? But then, as you look at it, Quinns had plenty of time under the new management structure with the new coaching structure as well. And you know, with Billy Millard as the team manager, head of rugby, whatever his job title is now, and Laurie Darrenpool, the CEO, they had plenty of time to change um, the course of action and offer Mike Brown a deal. They could have offered him. No, I think they signed him before. I think Newcastle signed him before. No, I, no? Well, from what from what I heard, no. Um, they had opportunities to, you know, reading Mike Brown's interview, Harlequins had opportunities, even though Guzzi didn't want him, once Guzzi left, to sign him. And it's like any player, right? You get old in, in your career and long in the tooth and Brownie's 35. I remember at Wasps, I signed a two-year deal at Wasps and all I wanted was one more year to see out. And Di said, look, I, you know, Di Young was the head coach. I didn't want to leave. Uh, wanted to stay at Wasps. It's different for me because Brownie's been at Quinns for 15 years, but it's also the same because as a head coach, you have to make a decision for what you think is best for the club in the future. And Di, same thing, looked at me. He's like, you're playing really well at the minute. But you're struggling to breathe here. Like You are struggling (laughs) to walk into this meeting room and not be out of breath. Something's got to give. And this 400 grand deal, this 400 grand deal has got to give. But Di said, so he said, look, you're playing every week, you're playing really well. He said, but I can't guarantee you'll be doing that in a year's time. He said, which is when I'm going to need someone younger doing what you're doing now, but better. He said, so I can't see you in a year's time. So maybe Quinn's can't see Brownie in a year's time performing at the level that he demands the cash that he's demanding. Some people go, oh, the loyalty will just offer him 50 grand or whatever. But then it's the whole thing, oh, is that my value? So you then have a different perspective on what the club are offering you. So there's never a perfect ending for any player at any club. You know, you, no. you look back at all the players at Leicester that have been there for years and years and years, all the players at Wasps, and, you know, the Simon Shaws, the Lawrence Delalios. There's not many James Haskells, Fraser Waters, Alex Kings, loads of boys. You don't necessarily get your own way of leaving a club. You don't get to choose because it's a business. So... 
Quinns have made a business decision that's not right for Mike Brown to get an extension, whether that was Guzzi or whether that was Laurie Dalrymple or um, or Billy Millard. So you just move on. And it's hard for Mike Brown because that's all he's been at, but he's got a great opportunity to go to Newcastle. It's an unbelievable night out, Mike Brown. Let me tell you, House of Smith, when the world opens up again, tell the missus and the kids. If, if, if. yeah. Tell the missus and the kids that you stay down in London, I'll just go up to Newcastle and I'll fly up and back. They fly players up and back from London every day. That's what they did for me. So it's a great place to be. Brownie, you're going to a club where Dino, you know very well. Nick Easter's on the coaching staff. I think there's some kind of progression potentially around him looking at coaching as well there. So um, it's a good opportunity for him. But yeah, loyalty's gone in the game, isn't it, really? Well, it's interesting you mentioned about Newcastle because I don't know if we've ever spoken about this and we know that I agreed to go to London Irish for two years and I didn't go. I'm sorry, but they got relegated, so it was probably a good decision. But I remember... And we all remember, because we were doing the podcast there when I was still playing for Saracens, I was playing every game, apart from the quarters and the semis and the final, but I was involved in every single game. Monday night football, yeah. yeah. Albeit we got beat by Wasp by 60 points. I remember trying to sort out my contract and Mark McCall looked me in the eye and he didn't say it, but I could read his eyeballs. He was basically saying, in a year's time, if you were a dog, we'd put you down. (laughs) (laughs) I have never, ever read someone's eyeballs so convincingly. You know, if you use the dog as an analogy, my back legs had gone. I had mange. I was blind in one eye. I was deaf in the other eye. My fingernails fingernails hadn't been clipped and my bowels were loose. Like, as much as I didn't want to see it, as much as I didn't want to read it in his eyes, I knew it was mercy. As well as I was playing then, arguably the best I played, he knew... I was hanging on and there was mercy needed. So it, like you said, Goody, it's hard for some players to take. And unfortunately, age, as well as other things, um, comes to all of us. But Brownie's been a great servant to Quinns. Yeah, you know, I quite like his feisty. You know, he's got a bit of attitude. He's not like that as a bloke. He's, 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 he's different away from the pitch. And I hope that his, you know, his year or two years at Newcastle, I'm sure, will uh, unfold and he'll do really well. Hey, we didn't chat about it last week, but Cipriani's coming back, isn't he? Going to Bath? It broke, didn't it, after we'd released the pod? I tell you what, to be fair to Sitz, wherever he's gone, the first year has always gone incredibly well. So, um, Bath are in need of a tent. Goody, we've spoken about it. Obviously, Priestland's uh, moving back to Wales. And Well, you, you can see this synergy, can't you, between Stuart Hooper and doing that video giving out the uh, the match shirt for the, for the um, debut. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> and uh, and Sips, who, you know, likes everything. I can't see how genuinely looking at Hoops and Sips, someone's got to change there because from what I hear about Hoops, um, and you saw the fallout of Freddie Burns, Freddie Burns was a character that played a little bit off the cuff. You know, sometimes people thought, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily sticking to a game plan. Sips will want complete control of that game plan and it might be a bit of a wrestle of of power. Um, what I do know is, yeah, Sips, he's been out of the game. He's hungry to come back in uh, and play again. Uh, you know, he's the sort of player that wants the adulation of people there telling him how good he is. And, you know, he's had a lot of that in his career. Um, but also, you do question, if you're a Gloucester fan, imagine being a Gloucester fan. Yeah, mate, let him go. That's not a problem. He doesn't want to play. And then he signs at your nearest and dearest rivals, Bath. You'd be raging. Yeah, but I think it was more than that with Gloucester because there was that, but he was obviously the highest paid player at the club as well. 
So you've got you've got that as well. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that he weren't playing well, he got dropped and he threw his toys out of his, out the pram. So arguably, you could say they got away with it um, yeah. without without speaking horribly. But you know, Bath are a, a weird club, aren't they? You know, you get rid of one of your best players, Zach Mercer. You get rid of Freddie Burns, who could step in at any point. It's just a, a, a weird a weird setup, but yeah. Sips will do well. Short yeah, time. I hope, I hope he does. I hope he does well. And then you can, with that as well, you you wonder whether there's talk of Diamond going there. I don't know. I'm just. I have not heard anything. Let's just say he's going. I've not. Uh, <laughs> but I've not heard anything. But Dimes work with Sips at Sale. You know, is there a consultancy thing? How I don't know. I'm just. I'm trying to think how it marries up to Hooper being with Sips, the same as you. But it's obviously it's a done deal. Well, the the thing with it is Hoops needs a ten. You know, you look at what tens are on the market now. Um, Freddie Burns was never going to go back there because of what Hoops did to him uh, when he was there. Reese Priestland, as you said, he's off to uh, Cardiff. So what are the tens are there that are available? It's a marriage of convenience, really, a bit of it. So you, you sat there thinking... A marriage of convenience. Yeah. My goodness, I might use that. I might use that. If, if I can't get to a pub, if I can't get to a pub in the next three months... I, I'm throwing out the marriage of convenience in my house. <laughs> right, should we finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, plenty of good this week. Uh, we'll start off in France, James. It was, it was more in Ireland. Oh, okay. Then I saw it. If it was in France, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was uh, Toulouse. Uh, winning over in Munster, 40 points to 33. Uh, we talked about the game a little bit. LaBelle's footwork was just absolutely ridiculous. Cheslin Colby and Anton Dupont, two of the best players in the world at the minute. That was a hell of a performance from them, so well done. On Anton Dupont, did you see the photo doing the rounds on social? With him and Johnny Wilkinson. So when Johnny's at too long. Ah, I did, yeah, I did, yeah. Basically, yeah, did. let's just say Johnny Wilkinson had picked up Anton Dupont and is holding him, cradling him. And that's been posted on social media, which is quite cool. Uh, what else was good? We mentioned him earlier. He hadn't had the best weekend, although he did play pretty well. He didn't have the best weekend in an Edinburgh shirt. He played quite well in that game, but their team were absolutely stinking. Um, Hamish Watson, he gets a nod in the goo this week, announced as the Six Nations player of the tournament and the best mullet in world rugby. Are you going to put him in the bad as well for not coming on? Possibly, possibly, but we'll get to that He said next week. He said next week or the week after. Yeah, he gets a shout out uh, in the good. Hell of an effort that is to win the Six Nations Player of the Tournament, uh, beating the likes of Lewis Reese Zamet uh, and Co. So, uh, yeah, uh, something that you can look back on in 20 years' time and go, geez, I was the best player in that tournament. Barkley read out a stat and he said that he hadn't given away a penalty for the whole Six Nations, which, <laughs> in my opinion, is an unbelievable stat. But <laughs> for a back row in terms yeah, of huge. how he plays, yeah, he's been class. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else was good? English teams in the Challenge Cup. Uh, Bath, Irish, Tigers, Newcastle and Saints all with good wins in the last 16. So we've got five clubs in the quarterfinals of that. And in doing that, we'll mention the French clubs. In the Champions Cup, Racing, Toulouse, La Rochelle, Clermont and Bordeaux all in the quarterfinals after winning their last 16 games this weekend. Um, so big shout out to all those teams. But the good this week can go to one team. One team, one dream. The mighty, mighty 
Sale Sharks. We spoke to Fafta Clerk earlier. Uh, a hell of a victory. 57 points to 14. Domination of the Scarlets. Uh, and a big mention has to go to AJ McGinty. How he didn't get man of the match, I don't know. Aka van der Merwe got it, who played pretty well at hooker. But AJ McGinty, uh, he broke Sale's uh, record for the most points in the European game. He scored one try, two assists, 11 from 11 off the kicking tee. And he made the most tackles in the Sale team. 12 tackles for a 10. I didn't make that in my career, son. So, AJ McGinty, two clean breaks as well. Um, absolutely brilliant. He pulled the pants down of Scarlet's. A great performance by Sale. So, they get the good this week. I agree. Ken Owens interview after. Shell-shocked. We've all been there, son. Yeah, we have. Um, the bad, well, we mentioned Sale in the good. The bad, we've got to mention Scarlet's littered uh, with internationals. As I said, their pants were royally pulled down on skid marks on show, taking 57 points at home. Never good. Uh, what else was bad? Uh, Quinns as well. They took 57 points. Oh, they home did. versus Ulster. It was Quinns under 14s, really. It wasn't, but it was their change-up team. Uh, but still, to take 57 points at home, although it was against a strong Ulster team, never good. Um, what else was bad? Uh, the Welsh regions, after the highs of the Six Nations, uh, winning the title for Wales... The regions, they all lost. They let the country down. Well, that's why I thought they were going to struggle in the Six Nations. So that's oh, was me, basically. Yeah, I'm not going to be horrible. <laughs> uh, so that gets a mention in the bad. Um, what else is bad? Will I give it to Edinburgh? Well, no, don't be horrible because Scotland smashed England. Like, don't, it's long gone now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I gave Scotland the good last week uh, for their victory in Paris. And I was going to give Edinburgh the bad this week because they just had give their- it to a ref. Their skid marks pulled down uh, on on show, taking 56 points in Paris. Never good. Uh, so that gets mentioned the bad. Um, the bad this week, I'm just going to go to France for the whole of the bad, really. And basically, <laughs> it's going to be around TV directors, referees, and TMOs. And they're all French. So just kind of this French theme. I, I want to hold, Andrew, before we go, I, lo- I love France as a team, as a country. I've got to say, hopefully, when things open back up in two years, I'm going to go to France on holiday. So I just want to put that out there to the millions. I like well, you. I love you. Bon chance, bon courage, mon ami. Yeah, uh, I I enjoy France at times, and I enjoy some of their rugby. And I mentioned in the good that they are doing very well. They've got five clubs in the quarterfinals of the Champions Cup. But what they're bad at is a TMO, a referee, and a French TV director. So the TMO, Philippe Bonheur, and referee Mathieu Raynal, you're getting mentioned in the bad, missing Jake Ball's hit on Faf de Klerk, saying that the ball was out and he had his hand on the ball. So it is okay. Um, still a shoulder to the head, Mathieu Raynal and Philippe Bonheur. Shocker. Very true, very true. Uh, that's a red card every day of the week. And also the French TV director for not giving more angles for Scott Higginbottom's clear slap down to Mike Adamson and Neil Patterson, the referee and TMO of the Bordeaux against Bristol's game. So... The bad this week goes collectively to French TMO Philippe Bonner, French referee Mathieu Reynal, and French TV director, I don't know his name, but he is French, from the Bristol against Bordeaux game over in Bordeaux. Bad, bad and bad. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the ugly, um, we mentioned it just then actually, the ugly this week has to go to Jake Ball. Uh, his hit on Faf de Klerk, not only was the ball not out the ruck, uh, shoulder to the head, straight red card. He could have snapped his knee. We spoke to Faf earlier. No one touches Faf and his lovely hair. The salons aren't open. He can't get his hair dye on it. So you don't need to be plowing your shoulder, Jake Ballbag, into the head of Faf de Klerk. No, no, no. That is the ugly. 
You don't do that. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to head on over to Spotify and check us out on YouTube as well. We're on Spotify, Rugby Pod. Spotty Pod, 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 Pod. Oh, see what you've done there. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.